Well, I've got my lovely wife with us this morning, so you'll welcome her. We're always super excited to uh, do this part of the uh, message together. Um, If you're just joining us, my name is Pastor Zach, this is my wife, Claire. And uh, real quick, before we dive into this, can we just welcome all of our first-time guests this morning? We're so glad that you're here. But uh, every year, and I say every year, this is only our first year, but uh, every, so every year continuing, we do a marriage series, and usually once in that marriage, marriage series or so, we're going to talk about conflict. And when we do that, I usually bring my wife out just to kind of show you, um, I think sometimes, or a lot of times as pastors, people think that we have like this perfect ideal marriage. And so we want to do as much as we can to destroy that whole just kind of perception. We're normal people. We fight just like you do. We have conflict just like you do as well. And some of you probably got in here this morning. You were fighting in the car and then you walked in. You're like, oh my God, it's Pastor Zach. Say hi. Son, say hi. You know? um, and so anyway, we want to talk about what does it look like to fight fair this morning? Because some of you, you just fight dirty. <laughs> some of you are dirty fighters. And so what we want to do is what does it really look like to fight fair? But before we dive into this, let's pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you that we just have an opportunity to come together this morning and talk about your word. God, I pray that ultimately, God, we know that there's many marriages in here, God, and even people in here, God, that aren't married, that anticipate being married one day. And God, I pray that you would just speak to them. God, I pray that this would be a time where your Holy Spirit would just flood this place. God, that you would convict us. God, that you would restore marriages. God, I pray for the ones that are maybe on the verge and maybe they feel like it's over. God, I pray that you would begin to do something very specific in their heart today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So this is the second week of a series that we're calling From This Day Forward. And that's literally taken out of the wedding debt vows. And the reason that we're calling it From This Day Forward is because we kind of talked a little bit about this last week. But a lot of us go into these kind of uh, marriage sermons or if you read a book or whatever, you have all this guilt, you have all this shame, maybe you have some past mistakes that you've made. And so the whole idea is this. From this day forward, no matter what your past looks like or what is going on or what you've done or what you've been a part of, from this day forward, we really believe that Jesus wants to begin to do a redeeming work within your marriage. And also, we don't want to exclude some of the singles. So we know that there are people in here that maybe you're dating, uh, maybe you're single one day and you anticipate getting married. So what I want to do real quick is if you are a single, I want to give you some pickup lines. Okay, you ready for this? And these are, these are corny, cheesy Christian pickup lines. So you probably would never want to use these, but just in case you want to. So I, I looked up a few, and I have one, and it says... Yo, girl, last night I was reading the book of Numbers and I realized I don't have yours. Um, or, or how about this one? Um, hey, um, I don't have your number. Can I get it so I can put it on the prayer list? <laughs> um, or how about this one? Uh, hey, my name is Will, God's will <laughs> for your life. Um, don't write these down, okay? Don't. Don't do this. Don't ever use these. If you use these, I will slap you upside the head, okay? Don't, don't use these. So in all seriousness, though, for those of you that are married, we're talking about four different principles that hopefully can increase your odds in staying together. And we talked about this last week, um, that ultimately you have a 50-50% chance that your marriage is going to work. And unfortunately, the stats do not change um, if you're a Christian. Um, just as many Christians are getting divorced as just as many people that are non-Christians are getting divorced. So the odds are consistently stacked against you and me. So our goal in this whole series is hopefully to point you into Scripture, to give you some practical ideas of hopefully that we can help you increase your odds in marriage. So last week we talked about, very intentionally, we talked about what does it look like to seek God together. So if you want your marriage to last, 
you're ultimately going to have to make Jesus the glue of it. And not your emotions, not how you feel when you get out of bed in the morning, because one morning or one day you may feel like all romantic, and you feel like you're in love with each other, and then you wake up the next day and their breath is awful, and you're like, who in the world have I married? I can't believe this. Is this the rest of my life? And so ultimately it's not based off of feelings, but the glue in your marriage comes from seeking God. So we talked about three simple things. We talked about reading the Bible together, praying together, and attending church regularly together. And we also said not only are these good spiritual truths, but also Harvard, the academic world, affirms if you just do these three things on a daily basis that you'll increase your odds in marriage. Okay, and so today what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about what does it look like to fight fair? Because I don't know if you know this, um, you cannot avoid conflict within the context of relationships. So I don't care how holy you get, how close to Jesus you get, as long as you are a sinful human being and you put two of those together underneath one roof conflict happens. And then next week, my dad's actually going to be with us, and he's going to be talking about what does it look like to stay pure? What does it look like to be in a relationship where you can honor one another, stay pure with your thoughts, your eyes, and set up different safeguards so you're not ruining trusts and breaking those things down? And then the last week, we're going to talk about um, how to have fun together. And I said this last week, but the truth is, some of you just don't know how to have fun together. You're boring. (laughs) You're just absolutely boring. And so we're going to talk about some romance, and we're going to talk about all those things. And so that's what we're going to be going through. But the question that we want to answer this morning is this. So how do we go from fighting with each other to fighting for each other? How do we go from fighting with each other from fighting to fighting for each other? Because I don't know if you've realized this about arguments or conflicts, but it always tends to bring out the worst part of you, right? It always tends to bring out the ugliest side of you when you get into this big argument or when there's conflict or when there's things going on. And here's the thing. Conflict ultimately at the end of the day reveals our need for Jesus. It reveals that you and me are inadequate without Jesus. And if we're not seeking God together, then ultimately our marriage is bound to be another statistic. And so hopefully that won't be the case for uh, many of us or any of us in here. But the truth is, life often gets stressful and overwhelming, right? So if you're anything like my wife and I, um, our life is fun. We love our big family, but it can get stressful really quickly. Um, especially when, when we got together, we were so used to, you know, always spending time together, going on dates all the time. And then you start adding kids to the mix. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You start adding kids to the mix and all of a sudden you have all these minions running around your house and always interrupting your sleep and your conversation and your time together and ultimately it can get stressful and you feel like you're not connecting and so what ends up happening? It ends up leading to conflict, it ends up leading to strife, it ends up leading to arguments and ultimately you start seeing your spouse as the enemy. So here's what happens. Um, Many of us, one of the big ideas that we want to get across today is that your spouse is not your enemy. And some of you are fighting against them, really believing, I'm going to bed sleeping with the enemy. Like, I'm sleeping with the enemy. And the truth is, you are. The enemy, though, is not your spouse. The enemy is you. Okay? So I could, I could guarantee you with 100% accuracy that if Claire and I were to sit down together with you as a couple and begin to determine some of the things that were going on, we could always come back to one simple conclusion that the problem is not your spouse, it's you. Okay? And so this is what you've got to wrap your mind around this morning. So here's what I don't want to see this morning. As we start talking about some things, don't bump your spouse. You need to pay attention to this line. Not, here's the thing. God wants to do a work in you first, okay? And so this is what you have to wrap in your head. There may be all these things that your spouse is doing that drives you nuts, that drives you crazy, and the truth is there probably are areas that they need to change, but at the end of the day, you can't change them unless God does it himself, okay? So God has to do some heart surgery. God has to do some work on your spouse. So my challenge for you this morning is this, allow God to speak to you and don't be listening to this message for your spouse. And then you feel like you can walk out of here with an, a litany and an arsenal of ammo as soon as you get in the car and go, all right, so list one through 10. This is what Pastor Zach said. Here's the thing. 
please leave my name out of your conversations. <laughs> well, pastors, don't do that, okay? Well, Pastor Zach said in the sermon that you need to do this. Don't do that, okay? Leave my name out of it. So here's the deal. Our main enemy is sin, okay? Our main enemy is sin. Our main enemy is not our spouse, Sin clouds our judgment. Sin does to us, things to us. Ultimately, sin is the part of us that is not submitted to Jesus. Sin in our marriage is that part of us that is not submitted to Jesus. And ultimately, sin is your greatest enemy, not your spouse. I don't know if you know this about sin, but it will always demand to be God of your life. It will always demand to be God. So if there are areas of your life where you see selfishness breeding in your marriage and you see content breeding in your marriage and you see all these things, it's usually because there are some sinful things that you're not bringing before Jesus and submitting them to him. So what we want to do is if you have a Bible, turn with us to James chapter 4, James chapter 4 verse 1, and we're going to kind of wrap a lot of this uh, talk into this scripture and it says this. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among us? Is it not this, that your passions, or that word could be translated, your desires that are not submitted to God, or your fleshly things are at war within you? So here's the deal. This verse makes it very clear that the root of the problem is not your spouse. The root of the problem is the desires in your own heart that are not submitted to Jesus those sinful things. So ultimately, this verse is saying, hey, if you have issues in your marriage, then the problem is you, okay? The problem is you. The conflict ultimately originates from the sinful nature of the heart. And I know I sound like a broken record here, but your spouse is not your enemy. And I'm going to say this about 10 more times because I want some of you to walk out of there here realizing that some of the tension and the issues that you have in marriage is not the other person's fault. It's sin, Okay, it's things that you're not bringing before Jesus and you're not submitting before Jesus. So here's the question. Is it possible to avoid conflict? What's the answer to that? Yes. No, absolutely not. Trick question, gotcha, all right? No, um, th- there is no way you can avoid conflict. And actually, yes, there is. You have to die first, though, okay? <laughs> you have to die first, go to heaven, and be made like Jesus, then you can actually avoid conflict, and that's a whole other thing that we can get into later. But, as I said earlier, if you take two sinners, you put them under the same roof, sleeping in the same bed, dealing with life, dealing with kids, going to work, the stresses of life that catch up with you, you eventually will fight. Just, you will eventually fight. But here's what we want to submit to you this morning. All couples will fight, but... Healthy couples learn to fight fair, and unhealthy couples fight dirty, okay? Healthy couples learn to fight fair, unhealthy couples fight dirty. Healthy couples fight for resolution, and unhealthy couples fight to just win the argument, okay? So healthy couples look at the conflict, and they say, all right, Let's set aside our differences for a moment in this conflict, in this instance. How can we both come together, work as a team, and how can we come and make a solution? Unhealthy couples say, you know what, we've been arguing for an hour, but I'm going to keep going because I really want to prove my point, and I really want to end this argument so that we can end it, and I can say, I told you so, I won, right? Most of us go in it to win the argument. There's a fascinating study, actually, from a guy named Dr. John Gottman, and he's kind of this marriage specialist, and he's studied couples who fight for 16 years. And uh, he's watched them, and he's studied how they fight, and now he can watch a couple for only five minutes and determine within 91% accuracy whether this couple will make it or whether they will divorce. And he says, the way that I can determine this is how they fight. So if if the couples are in it just to one-up one another, to smite one another, to put down one another so they can walk away from the argument and say, ah, I told you I was right. He says, with 91% accuracy, I can tell you whether these couples are going to stay together based on how they fight. 
I want to submit to this to you this morning, that one of the things that you need to learn to do, or one of the things that you don't realize that you need, is to learn to fight well together. And it's actually better than going on a date when you can learn to do this. Because ultimately what it means is that you're working through resolution. And you're saying, okay, we're fighting, we have conflict, we have all this stuff going on, but you know what, we're going to put aside our differences, and we're going to work towards a resolution. So what I want to do this morning is we want to show you a video of um, kind of, uh, I guess it's a fight we had, okay? And uh, so check this out, and we'll talk about it. This is Claire and I. This is a real conversation. This is real life. What do you wish I would do differently in an argument? A lot of things. No. Um, really just one thing. I wish that you would actually choose to respond rather than react when something happens. So, for instance, you know how we have like a really narrow driveway mm. and you're always telling me, be careful when you back out of the driveway because you're going to go off of the thing. Yes, yeah. And so every now and then... I speed out down the driveway, right? And I, I go off, and you let out, like, this yelping <laughs> scream, and I think someone is dying and almost crashed the car because you freak out about it. And then for probably, like, five more minutes, as, as we're going somewhere, it seems five like minutes. you're mad at me, it looks like, because I made an honest mistake by driving the thing off of the curb. The tie off the curb. Well, but... It, I, and I hear what you're saying, but it, yes, it's true. I do that. But um, it brings back memories from when we were in Galveston <laughs> and you, out of frustration and impatience while you're driving, you went down the, you went off the road on the little slide thing and then you did like mess up the van and that belt broke and then like our family was stuck on the side of the road yeah. for <laughs> hours and then we ended up all this like the hotel room and the, and the mechanic thing was closed and so when I drive down the driveway um, of our house that reminds you no of when that you almost time. go off the curb because okay. it, you're gonna like it could wreck our car and we just had a van given to us I don't want it to be so you react that way because that's what you're gonna think you think every time that I go <laughs> off it's gonna be like some horrific like damage to the van yes right yeah and okay. I don't feel like, I mean, I feel like I've mentioned it multiple times and you're not willing, you're not really like listening to me, so. Okay. No, I get that. Well, what do you wish that I wouldn't do in conflict that I normally tend to do? I would like you to not, um. Have those wheels. <laughs> she's like really, she's thinking of about 10 things right now. I guess. I would like you to not just try to win the argument. I would like you to uh, actually try to hear what I'm saying. Yeah. And um, I think a lot of times, you, and maybe because I, I'm a, just a passionate person and I come across and you just like automatically defensive. Yeah. But then like you just miss all that I'm saying and I'm, I'm trying to share my heart with you and then um, you don't hear any of it. You just here, how can I win this? How can I be here? Yeah. Well, no, and I think I do that sometimes because I think in our relationship at least, so people probably see me as <clears throat> a good communicator when I'm on stage, but really they don't know when you and I conversate, you obviously tower over me with words and she's better than me arguing or whatever. And so I think a lot of times I think that's what I'm thinking that I have to do sometimes because there's like this internal defense lawyer inside of you so yeah. I'm already oh, yeah. consistently thinking that I have to defend myself you know okay so do you feel yeah. like when I go into that defense mode you feel like I'm not actually hearing well I don't you're, no you're not is. actually yeah. because <laughs> I'll say it and like you 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 just not even known where I'm coming from and I guess that's maybe I could say it differently I know a lot of times I say it out of you know frustration or whatever so I could definitely say it differently I just I guess I feel like maybe sometimes um there's something deeper there of, um, I just want you to hear me. Sure. Awesome. Does that look like any of your conversations? Anybody, show of hands, how many of you, that looks a little bit like your conversations? This is honestly something that goes on often in our house. 
I mean, it's a consistent thing that goes on and on and on. And a silly example of driving off the driveway. How many of you men, just show of hands, like if you're driving in traffic and your wife tends to see like everything that runs out and she offers this blood-hurling scream and you slam on the brakes thinking somebody is dying and she's like, oh my God, it was a squirrel. And you're like, oh, we just died. We almost killed everyone because you thought you saw a squirrel run out. And, and the thing about these things, though, is a lot of times these small, minuscule little arguments, if, you're not, if you don't deal with them right, can turn into these big things. Have you ever seen that happen before? You're just arguing about the dumbest thing in the world, and it's really not that big of a deal, but then all of a sudden it tends to mount and build and get bigger and bigger and bigger before you're actually fighting about some serious things. So I want to read one verse, and I'm going to turn it over to my wife, and she's just going to share some practical things of how we can all learn to fight fair. And this is uh, James 1, 19 through 20. And it says this, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, and then get this other part, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So all the practical things that we're going to say out of this are literally going to come from this one scripture. Babe, go ahead. Yeah, so we have some biblical principles that come from, uh, from that verse. And we're going to have three things that will help you learn to fight fair. The first one is to stop and listen carefully. Stop and listen carefully, I think. Yeah, and, and I think this is what she's saying by this too is, so let me give you an example of this. In our house, um, Claire is a multitasker. Okay, I am a one-tracked, focused person. If I'm reading a book, I'm reading a book, and there's nothing else going on in my brain. Um, she literally, I can sit on the couch, and she's like, what are you thinking about? Ab- I'm honestly, absolutely nothing. I have this box that I go to every now and then, and there's nothing in it. <laughs> like, just absolutely nothing. I don't nothing. have that. But she has, when she's on the couch, if we're sitting watching TV or, or doing whatever, she literally cannot just sit there and watch TV. She's doing 10 other things. She's folding clothes. She's researching something. I'm like, can you just sit here, and can we just talk? Or So if I'm trying to talk to her, she's multitasking doing dishes, and she's like pulling it. She's like, yeah, what? And I'm like, you're not listening. So I think the whole principle behind this is stop and listen carefully. And I think you have an example for me yeah. as well. How many multitaskers are in here? Okay, so you understand. You're my people. Um, I hate you. <laughs> yeah. So one thing that, just before I share my example, um, your spouse does not hear what you say. They hear what they think you said. Yeah. So I think everyone probably needs to take note of that. If you can catch this, it's, gonna change. it's life-changing. Your spouse does not hear what you say. They hear what they think you said. So for you guys, um, here's, a, here's a little snippet into our life. <laughs> Zach was helping me do the dishes um, a few, uh, what, a week ago or something. And we have this ongoing dilemma of the trash in our home. Um, The trash can was overflowing inside. And I'm like, okay, I've got to take it out. But then the problem was the outside trash can was overflowing also. And and then we had a giant box of of boxes that needed to be taken to the trash. And that's been there for months. Well, to my defense, (laughs) our church does not have an office. So everything that we order literally comes to our house. And there is just like boxes everywhere. But they've been there for months. And I had been asking. (laughs) (laughs) And I had been asking, trying not to nag, can we please get the boxes put, you know, taken to the dump or something. So again, we had just had a little argument. And then it probably wasn't the best timing. But I, I just brought up, hey, I need to bring this trash out. But I can't bring the trash out because that trash is overflowing. Could you bring it to the dump and all this stuff? And I'm like, I've, I've been asking. And, um, and his response was this. <laughs> he said, well, I'm not the one who's home all day. <laughs> Y'all. It's not what I meant, Okay. <laughs> Okay. Finish the story. So, so if you know where I what I, I'm thinking, you did not just say that. <laughs> and in my mind, I'm like, I homeschool our kids. I'm home with five kids. I clean your house. I do your laundry. Oh, that's what's going on in my mind. But um, in fact, he didn't mean that. He didn't mean, oh, well, you're home all the time. You should just do it. He meant, and this, I had to go back and ask him, but he meant, um, I just, it slipped my mind because I'm not home all the, I'm not home all the time. I just forgot about it. So um, your spouse doesn't hear what you say. They hear what they think you said. So something that will be helpful for you guys if you can learn to repeat back to your spouse what you think they said. So, for example, in that one I could say, so what you're saying is you think I should be the one to take the trash beca- out because I'm home more. 
And then that would give him an opportunity to say, well, no, that's not what I, I just meant. It slipped my mind. Yeah. You know, it, it, you have clear boundaries there, um, and there's no confusion, and you don't just hear what you think they're saying. It's actual, um, actually what they're saying in meaning. Um, so if we choose not to listen carefully, here's a scripture that, um, that will, in fact, prove true. Proverbs 18.2, and it says, A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. <laughs> How many of you guys have been a fool in that term before? I have, multiple times. Um, so we're going to go to number two. And yeah, before you do, though, I think that goes back to a lot of the times when you're in conflict or when you're in a disagreement that ultimately you're not intentionally listening what the other person is saying because your mind is coming up with a comeback. You know what I mean? So when that person is talking, when you should be intently listening, you're going, all right, I'm ready. Like when she's done, I'm going I'm to pounce on her and this is going to be my comeback and she's not going to be able to say anything. Like your wheels are turning. So sometimes you literally have to pause and say, okay, I really need to stop try to clear my head if I can. And I mean, honestly, it'd be beneficial for a lot of you if you're in an argument just to pause and and pray for a second and say, okay, obviously we're not coming to some kind of resolution. Can we just stop? Can we pray? And then can we go into this? And it'd probably help you listen a whole lot better. Go ahead. It's true. So number two is guard my words faithfully. I will guard my words faithfully. If you've read Proverbs, you know it has a slew of different um, scriptures on your words and how they should be used. So I'll just give you a few right here. Uh, okay. Proverbs twelve eighteen says, Some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. Hmm. Another one is Proverbs ten nineteen. Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. <laughs> now, don't it's use that in a fight. <laughs> Not a good idea to tell your spouse that. <laughs> Proverbs says keep your mouth shut. You know, don't do that. Don't do that. Um, it won't turn out good. So... Uh, what we're saying here is when you're about to say something, you should ask yourself two questions. Does this need to be said? Mm-hmm. And does this need to be said now? How many of you guys are verbal processors, so you say what you think? Like, any, anyone? Oh, good. So, like, <laughs> half of y'all. Okay, I'm like that. So, um, and Zach is an internal processor. So, he thinks about everything before he says it. I, say, I, I understand what I'm feeling as I'm talking about it. So sometimes it's difficult for me to know what I'm trying to say in in an argument or in a discussion um, because I'm trying to figure it out as I'm saying it. I just kind of like throw things out there and then see what sticks. And um, if you're like that, something that's going to be really helpful for you, I know it sounds crazy, but sometimes I I just take a break for a second and I I talk it out to myself. (laughs) (laughs) She does it in the mirror. It's really crazy. (laughs) Not not in the mirror, but I, I have to verbally say it. But sometimes I say it to myself before I say it to him because I, I don't want to wound him or say something that I shouldn't say. Um, and sometimes I say things I don't even believe. I don't like it's not what I want to say. It's not the truth. But I'm trying to figure out what I need to say, what I actually feel. Um, and it'd be beneficial if you can think through that some, if you in, whether it's internally or externally, if you could figure that out before you say it. Sure. And I think also though, if you are like a external processor, timing and tone are everything. Okay, because, like, let me give you an example. Claire is just, like, her level of passion is always like this. So she could be talking to somebody on the phone about some kind of awesome shopping deal that someone had, and her face looks exactly the same whenever she's pissed off at me. So it's really, it's really sometimes it's really hard to distinguish because she's so passionate about absolutely just everything. And so time, we've learned for this, and it took us a long time. This is a source of conflict for a long time because she verbalizes everything. I think about everything, and then I, then I say it. But it ended up being a source of conflict for us, especially within the, the whole timing and tone thing. So really what she's learned to do and kind of how we've helped each other is like, look, if I just got off of work and you know I had a long day, it's probably not a good day to, to pounce me with all of your, you know, frustrations that went on. Like, just give me 30 minutes to come in, you know, kiss the kids and you and settle down for a moment and then pick a good time. And then the tone really means a lot as well because you could say, hey, I love you, or I love you, and it can mean two totally different things, right? Timing and tone are absolutely everything. Definitely. And um, 
So I have a few tips for you. Um, the first tip is we're going to work on our marriage in non-conflict times. Mm. So a lot of times we see, oh, there's this issue, and then we try to put out the fire of the issue instead of thinking in, a, in the good times, thinking of, oh, I could, let's work on this. I see this could be a potential problem. Let's, let's do something about it. So we want to work on our, our marriage in non-conflict times. Here's a few um, options. You can, there's these three things that we do, and it's called straight talk. Uh, it's simple, not overwhelming. You can ask each other these questions once a week. What can I start doing? What can I stop doing? What can I keep doing? Yeah. And if each of you ask each other those three things, it's not overwhelming because a lot of times, at least me, I would tell Zach different things and then he's just like, like overwhelmed and can't do anything because I've thrown so much on him and then he feels like the weight of all of it and then can't, yeah. you know, can't think about what to do next. So this is practical. It's real easy and you can both do it. Um, and I, we suggest every week it'd be a good idea to do that. Well, and, and the importance in doing this, though, is you have to be able to, if you're going to do this, you have to be able to go in this with the intent of not being offended. Yeah. Okay? Because if you're like, all right, just tell me what I can stop doing, and then your wife is honest with you, you're like, oh, my God, are you serious? That's what you want me to stop doing? <laughs> like, you just ruined the whole thing. So you've got to be willing to go into this conversation not throwing walls up already, yeah. just saying, okay, listen, whatever she tells me is going to be how she's really feeling, and I've got to be able to take that. And look, we've both miserably failed at that. We've asked these questions and then immediately wishing we would have never asked these questions, you know. Um, but you have to be willing to be honest. And here's the key, too. Um, if you are an internal processor like me, sometimes um, I'm, I like peace, and so sometimes I don't want to say it because I know if I do say it, then I'm about to open up this entire can of worms. But listen, you have to be willing to do this. You have to be willing to be honest because then what ends up happening is if you are an internal processor, um, without your spouse even knowing it, you are just constantly festering. You're like constantly steaming and they're always coming to you saying, what is wrong with you? And you're like, nothing, I'm fine. Just get away from me, okay? Like, I'm absolutely fine. And for like ever, you're just, you're steaming and steaming. And then one day, here's the deal. It's, you're not going to be able to hold it in anymore. And it's going to process and come out in a very just shocking way to yourself and to your spouse as well. Well, and deep, conf- deep um, relationships, Deep intimacy comes from conflict done well. Yeah. So if you're saying, I'm not going to, I don't want to enter into that because I don't want, it's going to be messy. You know, you're just keeping yourself from that depth of intimacy that you could have. If you want a great marriage, you're going to have to learn how to do this well. That means you're going to have to learn to speak the truth, but do it in love. Yeah. So um, those three questions you can ask each other. Another, here's a few tips for fighting well. So um, (laughs) never call names. Now, I'm sure they're all flooding to your head right now, what you could say, (laughs) but don't say them. (laughs) Not a good idea to say them. It won't go well. Never raise your voice. I know uh, as passionate people, it it may just be out of excitement or out of like, you know, no anger at all, but you just got to be aware of it and and keep yourself back some, you know, tone it down a little, Um, be aware. Never get historical. So... 20 years ago, I can't believe you did, yes. you know, not a good idea to do. Um, if In a conflict, it's not a good idea. If you need to talk about those issues, talk about them in non-conflict time in a right way. There's a way to go about it, but it's not in the middle of a fight. Well, and, and to that point, though, when, when she's saying never get historical, is when you're, okay, when you start arguing about a particular thing and you feel like you're losing the fight, <laughs> your tendency is to be like, well, five years ago you did this, and all of a sudden you yeah. distract away from what the intent of what you're supposed to be arguing in in the first place, and you're trying to bring up past issues just so you can win the fight. Make sense? Yeah. That's true. So never say never and always. It's not a Justin Bieber song, by the way, but... (laughs) (laughs) Never say never and always. I'm sure uh, we've all done this at times, but I ask my kids, sometimes they're like, I never get to... And I'm like, really? Is that true? Do you never, ever get to eat this snack? That's not true. So for you guys to just be realistic and to think, okay, it's probably not true. I'm not going to say it. Usually I don't, you know, you could say it that way, but just don't use never and always. Never threaten divorce. It does not leave your spouse feeling safe. Yeah. So it's just not a good idea to do. Um, this is what you should, honestly, you should go into. If you're married right now and you've already tossed that word around, I would really encourage you to, one, go before God and, hey, if there's anything in my heart, that needs to be submitted towards you. Help me to be able to do that. And one of the things that we've just made a commitment to each other is to never throw that word around. 
even though there are times, let's just be realistic, that's what you're feeling, okay? Because maybe sometimes in that conflict or in that moment, you're like, oh my God, like I just want to get out of here. And so maybe just out of this emotional, impulsive thing, you throw that word out there, but you never know the emotional damage and the scarring that you could do just by throwing that out there. So I'd be very cautious uh, with that word. That's true. And uh, last one, write this one down. Never quote your pastor. <laughs> Please. In a fight, do not quote your pastor. Do not say, Zach said, and yeah. then we've heard this so many times, guys. Um, and it's, it's just not good. You got into the fight, you get out of the fight. Leave us out of it. <laughs> uh, okay, so number three, we're going to handle our anger righteously. I'm going to handle my anger righteously. If you want to have a great marriage, um, you just got to realize there's some things that are not worth fighting for. So we did this last night, actually. And we're, we're <laughs> over dumb things, we're just like, why are we upset by this? Yeah, we actually, before we filmed that video, we actually had a real fight. <laughs> and that's, seriously. That, though that's real, too. Though. <laughs> that yeah, that is. We had two. Um, but uh, there's some things that are just not worth it. You're spending all your energy on things that are dumb and not worth it. And then you miss out on the true conflict that you could spend energy on and doing it well. Like, for instance, paint colors. Like, does it really matter at the end of the day? You know, a paint color or a restaurant or whatever. I mean, we've had, we've had so many date nights where it starts off so awesome and we feel connected and we spend time with each other and then you get in the car and you start arguing about the dumbest thing in the world. And I leave in tears. And it, and... And it ruins everything. So you get home and you're like, don't even touch me. Don't look at me. You know, that whole thing. Um. True. Okay. So Ephesians 4. <laughs> Y'all been there too. I know it. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 says this. Don't let anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. Yeah. Being angry is not sin, but what you do with it could be. Hmm. So something for you guys to know. And a lot of people think that being angry is sinful, and it's not. You can be angry and, and handle that righteously. But if you sin, if you blow up, if you say awful things, if you attack pers- you know, purposefully, that is sinful. So you can do it well or you cannot do it well. So the encouragement for you guys is to handle it righteously. Um, don't go to bed with unresolved issues. Talk about it before. And if that takes you staying up for hours and you're exhausted, it would be better that you do that than to roll over onto something else and then come up later on because... Um, I this, know that sounds hard because for some of you, like, we, we'd be up for five days yeah, and <laughs> in a row, but it's Get some it. coffee. It's, yeah. it's worth it. Um, what you're dealing with today oftentimes started a long time ago, and you just didn't resolve it. Hmm. So for, for all of us, I think it's something that we can um, be mindful of, that if we, don't carry, if we carry this over from today into tomorrow, it's just going to keep carrying over, and it's just going to build bigger and bigger and bigger like a snowball. And we don't want that. I'm sure you don't want that. Yeah, so let me give you the scenario. So ultimately, if you choose to go to bed with unresolved issues, you're also choosing the next morning when you wake up to start off on bad terms. You're already, like, as soon as your feet hit the ground, you're already on bad terms with each other. And so it just kind of dampens the rest of the day. The the truth is, all of us kind of fight dirty at night, right? All of us fight somewhat dirty at night. Anybody know, like, the the position, like, she puts her back, and then you turn your back? Anybody? So this is kind of Claire and I. Um, I'm the huffer in bed. Like, so it's like if if we got in a fight and we don't want to deal with it, I have my covers, and I'm like, (laughs) like, doing all that kind of stuff, like, moving around very drastically, and Claire has this... Claire has, yeah, Claire has, I get up to go to the bathroom, like, in the door, I'm like, you know, Um, and then Claire has this tendency in bed just to, like, stay as stiff as a board, like, I'm sleeping, don't, don't touch me, you know, that kind of, like, you know, you, you drift your toe over, and then she pulls her leg back, you ain't getting no toe tonight, son, like, none of that, Um, (laughs) so it's, it's like this, this fight going on in bed with, like, your nonverbals. And you're, you're doing, do you realize how dumb that is? Like, it's, I don't know what it is at night. Every adult that gets into conflict turns into a five-year-old. We, we huff, we puff, we pull covers over, we slam doors. Like, 
we'd flip on lights. I mean, early on in my marriage, like, Claire, if I would sleep in or whatever, she's an early bird. She would just come in. She'd, like, flip the lights on. And, oh, oh, you're sleeping? I didn't realize it, you know. Um, so one of those things. But we end up fighting dirty at night. And, and the whole idea is to whatever you have to do. Like, if it means you've got to stay up till 3, in the clock, uh, 3 o'clock in the morning to resolve the fight, it's worth it. Because here's the thing. Whether you realize it or not, the enemy is very good at slowly and meticulously driving in these little wedges in your marriage. Just these little, this slow burn. He never drives in these things where you just cause you to just blow up immediately and you're like, it's over, we're done. What he does is he drives in these small little wedges and over time, all these little small little things that you never resolve that you just decided to just go to bed on and fall asleep because you were tired and you didn't resolve it, ends up turning into this huge, drastic, big issue. Sometimes um, the best thing that you can do, honestly, when you're in a conflict at night and you don't know what to do and you're tired and exhausted and it sounds, you know, um, sounds simple, but it works, literally pray for them. Literally, just pray for them. Because here's the thing. It's really hard to fight when somebody says, hey, you know what? I know I've been arguing. Can we just stop and pray for a second? And let's let's not pray and say, God, make him understand what you want to say. Yeah, exactly. His issue. Like, help him understand how stupid he's being. Yeah, God, fix her. Um, Yeah, don't pray that. Honestly, stop for a second and just be like, all right, let's take a moment. Because obviously we're not coming to any kind of resolution. And maybe we need to seek God in this. And a lot of times... When you keep going in this conflict and in this argument or you're fighting or whatever, the best thing that you need to do is ultimately you need to realize you've been fighting for an hour and a half or two hours now and you haven't come to any resolve. So ultimately, you need to spend some time with Jesus. Um, It's hard to fight and pray with somebody at the same time. It's just, it's really hard to do. It's hard to be intimate with God and live in ongoing bitterness and unforgiveness as well, though. Listen, Unresolved issues in your marriage are going to affect your relationship with Jesus. This is why we we count this as so important. The first thing, Genesis chapter 3, the very beginning of the book, okay, what does the enemy do? He goes after relationships because he knows if he can get you there, then he can get you everywhere else. Because the person that you love the most can also what? It can be the person that you hate the most, right? The person that you are intimate with the most and that you are infatuated with can also be the person that drives you absolutely crazy. So the enemy understands this. He knows, hey, if I can get in between you and your spouse, if I can just have some unresolved conflict and I can continue to get them to go to bed without resolving things, and ultimately I can get them. And some of you, honestly, we fight over dumb things, right? We fight over the stupidest things in the world. Some of us fight because you don't like the way he chews his gum. Some of you fight because you don't like the way she chews her food. That's a true story. That's true, yeah. It, explain that, the chewing gum thing. Well, Zach doesn't just chew gum. I hear spit sloshing around as he chews it. And he's so loud, and I'm like, oh, stop it! Like, so, well, it gets but, under her skin because she always asks me to stop, and I end up quoting the Saturday Night Live line all the time. I'm like, it's the only joy in my life. Just let me chew gum like this woman. So it, it doesn't go well. No, and then well, he says I chew food loud, but at least I have my mouth closed. So I... Yeah, well, it's kind of like a, she's always on me about chewing gum really loud, and then you sit right next to her, and she's, like, chewing food loudly. She just does it a little bit more politely, I guess. She keeps her mouth closed. Um, so there's, there's stupid things that we fight over, but then let's just get honest. There's, there's serious things that we fight over, right? There are serious things, like maybe your spouse or your husband or your wife is looking at pornography, and you're fighting over these things. Like, what are you going to choose? What are you going to do? Or, or maybe um, your spouse cheated on you with a close friend. And so that's a sore subject consistently and constantly within your marriage. Or maybe there's just so much stress in life, the only thing that seems feasible in the moment is just to end the relationship. Maybe you literally believe that the grass is greener on the other side. And the truth is, let me just save some of you right now. The grass is never greener on the other side. Ever. Like, you can fantasize and idealize about all these things. If I just wasn't with this person anymore, then there just wouldn't be all these problems or all these things going on. Here's the truth. 
If you choose to leave, you've got to remember this. This is going back to what we talked about in the beginning. You don't just get to marry a new person. You take yourself with you. All the same problems, you're going to drag them into another relationship. So I want to tell you that if we can learn to seek God together, like we talked about last week, that we will learn to fight fair. We'll learn to fight fair, and ultimately we'll increase our odds in staying together. So I want to show you real quickly four just brief warning signs, and then we're going to wrap this up. Of These are signs of in your marriage right now, if you're facing some of these things, and I'm just going to be blunt with you, you probably need to get some help. Okay, And I don't say that in a demeaning way. I mean, this is a true story. Two weeks ago, uh, and I'll be honest with you, because of my own sinfulness and things that I didn't resolve and things that uh, you know, I was doing, um, we had to sit down, and it wasn't something that her and I could work it out together. So we had to sit down with some people and say, look, this is what's going on. We've been arguing about this for a long time, and there is no resolve, and we need some outside help with this. So what I'm about to tell you, every time we offer this kind of advice, this is stuff that we do all the time. And I know for men in here, sometimes you're like, oh, I don't need no counselor. I don't need a counselor. Well, you're going to lose your wife. <laughs> That's just the truth. And, and a lot of times you end up not doing certain things and you allow your pride to get in the way and you end up damaging and ruining and ending your marriage based on your own pride. So uh, I want to offer four things to you real quick. These are four signs that you're not fighting fair. Okay, number one, there's criticizing. So, but let me put it to you like this. You're complaining constantly. Okay, nothing ever satisfies you. Like nothing your spouse, everything your spouse does to you is always wrong. You're always criticizing. Everything that they do is off. Um, Or maybe you say things like you never do what you're going to say that you're going to do. And that is just constant verbiage over and over and over again. Then there's number two. There's contempt. Maybe now the relationship, there's just disgust. Okay, so there's eye rolling, there's sarcasm, you're just kind of put up, you're just like, I'm like, oh, I'm contempt with you, I am starting to get fed up with you. This is a sign that ultimately, if you don't do something right now, the enemy, that means that he's, he's getting closer to drawing you apart. Number three, there's defensiveness, defensiveness, meaning it's never your fault, it's always their fault. <laughs> it's never your fault, it's always their fault. Fault. And here's the deal. Even This is what we've learned um, the hard way a lot of times. In marriage, even if it's 90% your fault, you need to learn to own it. Or if it's only 10% your fault, I mean. You need to learn to say, look, I was wrong for this. And don't start off the conversation with saying, well, I was wrong for 10%, and I know that you were wrong for about 90%. Like, don't do that. Just say, look, I was wrong. Okay, I want to come clean. The way that I uh, talked to you, the way that I handled this whole situation, it was off. should have never happened. And then number four, this is a dangerous one. Number four, then there's stonewalling. Meaning, I don't care anymore. I'm just done. We'll just refuse. We'll just, we're not going to get a divorce, but you know, we're going to live under the same roof. We'll basically be roommates, and we'll sleep together every now and then when I feel like it. And this is a dangerous place to be at, because here's the deal. Especially if you have kids, this is a dangerous place to be at. Statistics say that if you're at this place, as soon as every kid is out of your house, you will get a divorce. Because the only thing keeping you together is that child. It's not love for one another. It's not your pursuit of Jesus together. It's not that you're enjoying life together. It's literally the kids. Um, This is the dangerous part of when we talked a little bit about this um, last week. You know, the parents that literally travel every single weekend to uh, allow their kids to be involved in every single sport possible. And then when the sport is finally over, you know, and their kids are grown up and gone, they realize, oh my gosh, we never spend any time together. And we don't really have a relationship. We don't really know each other. So what are we still doing together? So those four things, again, there's criticizing, there's contempt, there's defensiveness, and then there's stonewalling. These are all things, if you're walking through this right now, you probably need some outside help. This is the importance. I know Mike talked about it earlier in service. This is the importance of life groups, okay? Your marriage would probably be 110% better if you just got in a life group. And got honest. And got honest, yes. 
<laughs> get in a life group and be honest with where you're at. That's the key. Don't just get in a life group and just sit there. Yeah, we're in community. We connect with people and we eat chips together. Okay, don't, don't, don't do that part. Like, you've got to start to get real with things going on in your life. Um, I want to offer this. I don't do this um, often, but our church, one of the things that we have, if many of you guys know this, we have um, a few different campuses, and we've been blessed with having different counselors within um, some of the campuses, and so our church gets really, really good um, discounts with a lot of counseling services and stuff like this. I want to offer this to you this morning, okay? And so for some of you, you're going to have to swallow your pride to do it. If you're in here this morning and you're saying, listen, I feel like we're at this point where, you know, it's a dangerous state. I, if you come to me, okay, fill out a connect card at the end of that table, write it on it, write your name, and and I want counseling, I will pay for it. Okay, not me personally. The church will pay for counseling so that you can get into that. This is how deeply we care about marriages because we know with 100% certainty, if you can begin to work on your marriage, that God will begin to do something drastically in your spiritual life. Because as you begin to, God begins to sanctify you by living together with your spouse, and he begins to pull things out of you, you're going to get closer to Jesus. So listen, if you're in here today saying, listen, it's just not working, we will make sure that you can get in counseling. We want somebody to work with you. We want to pray with you. Next week, we're going to have life groups that you can sign up for. If you want to get an early start on that, you can go on our website. We have a few of them up already. You can go and see where those are at. Get in a group. Get in community. Get in relationships with other people. You cannot do this by yourself. Deal? <laughs> so listen, we love you guys. Ultimately, we want the best for you. And, and hopefully... Through Claire and I, we can somewhat model and give you guys an example that, listen, we're not perfect. We have arguments. We have disagreements. We have things that we fight through. We have things that we go through. And here's the deal. If you're a Christian and if you love Jesus and you want to serve your spouse faithfully, then you will willingly own your sin. You will willingly own your sin. And so this is what I want to encourage some of you to do as we bring this to a close. When you leave here today, make it a point, okay? It's Valentine's Day, by the way. Did, did any of you guys do anything? If you haven't, like, hurry up and go get a card or something. Do something, okay? Um, whatever it is, I want to encourage you sometime this week to sit down with your spouse and digest this message. If you need to go listen to it again, it'll be on the podcast. You can listen to it at occonnect.com. Talk about it. Ask some deep questions. Hey, look, this is what I got from this. This is what God's doing in me. And start it off that way. This is what God's doing in me. This is what God's showing me. This is what God's convicting me of. Was there anything that that God did the same uh, for you? And begin to have deep conversation about these things. And you're going to see God do some drastic things in your marriage. Before I pray, do you want to say anything? Okay. Father, we thank you, God, for marriages God, we know that there are people all across this room, God, that are all at different stages. God, some that are newlyweds. God, people that aren't even married yet. And God, maybe they're just soaking this up and and preparing for marriage. God, we also know that there are people that have been married for a long time. God, that maybe they're doing well. And God, that there's others that, God, they're struggling. They're they're on the fray. It seems like they're on their, their last few strings of just holding together. God, I pray that we would not allow the enemy to continue to drive wedges. God, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, God, that you would begin to convict us. God, that you would begin to pull things out of us. God, that we would confess things that we're dealing with. God, that we would be open about things that we've never been open about. God, I I pray that we would walk out of here, God, with just a boldness. God, of being able to sit down with our spouse and look them in the eyes and say, look, this is where... I've been sinful. This is where I've been selfish. This is where I've failed God and you. And can you forgive me? God, I pray that you would give us the courage to be able to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.